Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We're looking at Joshua chapter 11 today. In our study of Joshua so far, we've seen the people of Israel cross over the Jordan River from the Transjordan into the land of Canaan. We saw them conquer the city of Jericho and the city of Ai. We saw them make a covenant with the people of Gibeon in the central hill country. And then we saw in chapter 10, uh, five kings of southern city states coming together forming a coalition against Joshua and the Israelites and attacking uh, the people of Gibeon. Joshua comes up with his armies to assist Gibeon, and the Lord gives them victory over the kings of the south. And very rapidly, Joshua is allowed to take possession of the southern territory. Now, as we come to Joshua chapter 11, we're going to see the northern arena of Canaan taken and the events that led up to the conquest of the northern territory. So we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 11 and reading verses 1 through 9. Starting in verse 1, Then it came about when Jobin the king of Hatsor heard of it, that he sent to Jobab the king of Maiden, and to the king of Shimron, to the king of Akshap, and to the kings which were of the north in the hill country, and in the Arabah, south of the Canaret, in the lowland, and on the heights of Dor on the west, to the Canaanite on the east and on the west, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Jebusite in the hill country, and the Hivite at the foot of Mount Hermon, in the land of Mizpah. And they came out, they and all their armies with them, as many people as the sand that is on the seashore, with very many horses and chariots. So all of these kings, having agreed to meet, came and encamped together at the waters of Merom to fight against Israel. Verse 6, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid because of them, for tomorrow at this time I will deliver all of them slain before Israel. You shall hamstring their horses and burn their chariots with fire. So Joshua and all the people of war with him came upon them suddenly by the waters of Merom and attacked them. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel so that they defeated them and pursued them as far as the great Sidon and Mizropath Mayim and the valley of Mizpah to the east. And they struck them until no survivor was left to them. And Joshua did to them as the Lord had told him. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots with fire. Father, as we look into your word, we pray your blessing on us as we study this chapter together. We thank you for the witness of scripture and the story of Joshua and his conquest of the territory of Canaan. We thank you for our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So we've just seen in Joshua chapter 10, the southern arena of Canaan taken very rapidly, the five kings that had come together being uh, killed by Joshua, and finally all the camp goes back to uh, the area of Gilgal where they're stationed. At the beginning of chapter 11, we see that there is a king of Hatsor, Jabin, the king of Hatsor, who sends for the king of Madon and the king of Shimra and uh, forms a coalition similar to the coalition that had been formed in the south. Now notice as we read through the first verses of chapter 11 just how encompassing the author uh, makes it sound here geographically. He talks about, in verse 2, to the kings who were of the north in the hill country and in the Arabah south of the Kinneret. Kinneret is a word that's used for the Sea of Galilee in the Old Testament. So these are kings that are in the northern highlands. They're kings that are to the north of the Sea of Galilee, but also in the Arabah to the south of the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan Rift Valley, all the way down almost toward where Joshua and Israel were encamped uh, at the north of the Dead Sea, in the lowland and on the heights of Dor on the west, and then verse 3, to the Canaanite on the east and on the west. So there's Canaanites all around that they're reaching out to. And then he says to the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, and the Jebusite in the hill country, all the peoples of the hill country that would come to be referred to as Ephraim and Manasseh, uh, sort of in the central arena of the land of Israel. And the Hivite at the foot of Hermon in the land of Mizpah, way up to Mount Hermon in the north. So we've got people in the land of Canaan all throughout the northern arena who are gathering together and forming a giant northern coalition to battle against Joshua and the uh, Israelites. Now in verse 4, we see they came out, they and all their armies with them, as many people as the sand that is on the seashore with very many horses and chariots. So the point here is not necessarily to say uh, this is the exact number of the people that came out. The, the figure of speech here is that there, were an, there was an innumerable number of people in this northern coalition that all gathered together, and they're going to be at the waters of Merom in verse 5. They have very many horses and chariots. Uh, the Israelites certainly would have had some horses by this point, but the fact that these northern uh, peoples have chariots is highly significant at this time. At this time in human history, chariots would not have been uh, common technology. It was a new technology. You might even think of it as uh, next generation technology that the Israelites would not have possessed uh, at this point. Uh, but the fact that these northern peoples possessed these chariots really gave them a very strategic advantage over the people of Israel. So the fact that they have this giant number of 
uh, people in their army in that they have horses and chariots uh, just gives us a sense of there's a, an overwhelming feeling uh, against Joshua and the people of Israel. Verse 5, So all of these kings, having agreed to meet, came and encamped together at the waters of Merom to fight against Israel. So this is going to be the war to end all wars in Canaan. Verse 6, The Lord says to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them, for tomorrow at this time I will deliver all of them slain before Israel. You shall hamstring their horses and burn their chariots with fire. So again, as we've seen throughout our study, the Lord predicts for Joshua beforehand his victory in this specific battle. Even though there are a large number of people that have come out to fight against Israel, the fact of the matter is that God has predicted Joshua will conquer uh, this group of people, and he will do it in one day. The Lord says, tomorrow at this time, I will deliver all of them slain before Israel. You shall hamstring their horses, burn their chariots with fire. So verse 7, Joshua and all the people of war with him came upon them suddenly by the waters of Merom and attacked them. Verse 8, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. What would probably be an incredible war um, that would have been worthy of a massive, large-scale Hollywood production and would probably attract a lot of people to the movie theaters today if we were to put this in the cinema. The author of the book of Joshua only gives two verses to this war, and there's really no details given here except that the Lord delivers all of these armies into the hands of Israel, and they defeat them. There's no specifics given about how the Israelites conquered this massive army with their uh, chariots and all that they possessed. Uh, all that we're told is that the Lord conquered them. The Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel. So they defeated them. They pursued them as far as Great Sidon, the city of Sidon in the north, and Mizrepheth Mayim and the valley of Mizpah to the east. They struck them until no survivor was left to them, and Joshua did to them as the Lord had told him. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots with fire. So the, the very things that their confidence was in, their horses and their chariots, Joshua, in overcoming these armies, hamstrings their horses so that they're no longer uh, the great and mighty galloping steeds that they once had been, uh, and they burn their chariots so that their chariots cannot continue to be used. I think all of this shows the author very purposefully presenting this as the people of Canaan were uh, putting their confidence in their uh, 
items of war and their weaponry and their military strength, but the people of Israel relied on the Lord to conquer and to go out and fight on their behalf. And it was the Lord who destroyed this massive army. He did it using Joshua and the people of Israel, but the author very intentionally gives the Lord credit for the conquest of the northern arena. Verse 8 again, the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel. So it wasn't that Israel was so powerful or mighty or great. It was the Lord who delivered this massive army into Israel's hand. So incredible to think that this a huge battle, the war to end all wars in Canaan, and the author only relegates a couple simple verses to show that even the strongest amount of military might, humanly speaking, is nothing compared to the power of the Lord. Now, verse 10 and following, we'll read just a couple more verses. Then Joshua turned back at that time, and captured Hatsor. Now, the city of Hatsor is to the north of the Sea of Galilee, and struck its king with the sword, for Hatsor formerly was the head of all these kingdoms. And they struck every person who was in it with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. There was no one left who breathed, and he burned Hatsor with fire. So, this is the third city that is recorded in the book of Joshua as being burnt with fire. And it's significant here uh, because Joshua does this to Hatsor after they have conquered the army of the northern coalition. They go back to the city of Hatsor, uh, capture the king of Hatsor, and all, strike all the people who are in the city, utterly destroying it. No one was left to breathe, and then Joshua burns down the city of Hatsor with fire. I think, again, this is done symbolically. Hatsor is sort of the, the head, the leader of this northern coalition, and so Joshua and the people of Israel burning down this city in its entirety is demonstrating their conquest of the entire northern arena. Well, what lessons can we gain from this chapter as believers in Christ? I think it is that the Lord is powerful even over the strongest uh, military might of human beings. The Canaanites were relying in their weaponry, but the Israelites relied on the Lord uh, and he won the battle on their behalf. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.